Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Not Safe for Wonks. Here with you yet again. As always, we're still making the content regardless of what's going on outside the window. Uh, it's a little scary right now, but you know, we're still here. We're still in it. I'm Kennedy Cooper. Brandon Buchanan is here. Uh, you won't hear him until probably a little later in the ep because he is literally wrapping up a DSA meeting about coronavirus and mutual aid in Atlanta and things that they're going to do. Uh, but luckily, it's not just me here. Uh, while we wait for Brandon, we've got a wonderful guest, Ian Schlackman. Welcome back to the show. It is great to have you as always. Uh, it's uh, it's good, good, good to be here. Uh, better than being out there. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? Um, for those of you who maybe don't remember, maybe started listening a little more recently, uh, Ian Schlackman has uh, been on the show a few times. Uh, he works in independent politics outside of the two-party spectrum and just kind of outside of the party spectrum in general these days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you do a lot of interesting stuff. and We're going to get into some of that today, uh, some of the stuff that you have going on right now and just kind of uh, check in. And uh, yeah, I, I can't really think of in some way a better person to be talking to right now uh, I mean, I guess, you know, arguably, sure, medical experts could tell me more about the virus itself. But Ian, you are someone who has advocated for a lot of the types of things that uh, we kind of need now in this crisis <laughs> and who has worked on a lot of important projects and who works in education and technology. And so you really I feel like you have a really uh, powerful grasp on what's happening right now and that you you kind of have seen it up close. And so we're going to get into coronavirus and how it relates yeah. to all of these things that I just mentioned. So, um, Ian, uh, do you want to just say hi to the to the world and mention anything else about yourself that I didn't cover? Uh, you know, no, I appreciate the very nice introduction. I, I, I haven't really thought of myself like that, but that is true. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, things have just been moving so incredibly quickly in the past, uh, two weeks. I mean, we've known about this virus for a little, for, for a bit longer than that. Uh, but, uh, man, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster ride, uh, almost every day, new announcements from state governments, local governments, and, and, and the national government um uh so yeah uh i can uh dive right into it if you want yeah let's go um i guess we could start off with how are you feeling about the response of your particular state you can kind of describe it a little bit for the sake of the audience um and how do you feel about sort of the fact that this seems to be so state by state in general right now yeah that's a great question so you know uh uh, uh I'm trying to think of where to start. So I'll start with the state question because you asked about it. So basically, and that's a great place to start because a couple of comrades and I uh, did a protest or a press conference about this. So um, a couple of comrades and uh, myself with the People's Power Assembly, excuse me, in Baltimore, along with a couple of different unions uh, and community activists came together and did a press conference uh, about two weeks ago at this point, maybe a week and a half ago. And what we were essentially calling for was better response to Baltimore City, uh, where, where I live, uh, because we kind of could see the writing on the wall. Schools were going to be closing eventually. Uh, people, rely, uh, students, especially in Baltimore, rely on schools uh, typically for two meals a day, breakfast and lunch. 
And when I say rely, I mean rely. There's a lot of schools in Baltimore City uh, that do free and reduced lunch programs. Um, and, you know, uh, sometimes that's the only reliable meal that a child gets during the day. Right. So it's incredibly important. You know, we even do things in Baltimore like cleaning kids' clothes, medical exams, dental checkups. All of that is going to cease if the schools close, and they and now they have. So the community activists, along with myself, and I actually just was behind the camera, most of the community activists that were from affected communities did the talking, uh, along with some nurses, which was which was fantastic. We actually called for uh, the governor and the city to think of people in poverty. And we're not just talking about folks that even are housed. We're actually talking about folks that are also homeless as well. Uh, you know, people just don't think about that. They don't think about where are homeless people going to go if they're told to hunker down? Where are they going to get a meal? Uh, you know, and we had a homeless activist that was there literally said uh, at that point in time, it was incredibly difficult for the homeless people to access clean drinking water, uh, yeah. any soap, not hand sanitizer, literally any soap, a shower. Like these things were incredibly difficult for them to get their hands on before. Uh, now, if everything's closed, uh, how are they going to get it? And we've yeah. seen this in Baltimore before when crises come up. A lot of times the homeless shelters actually close. And people don't realize this, but I just want to mention this real quick. Homeless shelters cost money. They literally charge you rent per night. Not every homeless shelter, but the ones in Baltimore do at least, and the majority of them do. So people don't realize how bad this is for the people that are mm -hmm. struggling. And if they close the shelters, they don't give people somewhere to go. You're basically just saying that people on the street are just going to get the virus and die. So they, it's something that we really wanted to bring attention to because it's something that people aren't thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another frequent guest of our show, Rebecca Parson, uh, who's up in Washington state, was pointing out that in her state, um, night shelters are still open, but they've closed the day shelters. So homeless people who are sick are being forced out the door first thing in the morning to just wander the streets sick uh, until they can get back into a night shelter. And it's just very uh, unbelievable, I mean, to just be thinking about people in that situation. And yeah, just the, the responses in general, too many uh, state responses, even if they're relatively good, have left the homeless out to dry. Uh, and that's been the one thing that I've been disappointed with my state about. Um, the state so far has been pretty good. I would dare say uh, Governor Hogan, uh, because he's seen as he is the head of the round table of governors or something like that. So he's a very well-known governor. He was the choice uh, to challenge Trump if there was going to be a actual uh, Republican primary, which there really isn't. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, he, he, he's very well respected. Uh, I think he's handled the crisis well. Uh, he's certainly been on top of other uh, issues way before local government uh, has. We've seen city council people in Baltimore way ahead of the curve uh, before the uh, city government uh, and, you know, uh, or, or should I say the mayor's office. And, you know, if people just kind of are, are putting things together, I mean, our mayor, to give him credit, Mayor Young, he called for an eviction uh, stoppage before most people called for an eviction stoppage. That's great. But you kind of just know what you know, like, you know what you can think of when an emergency happens. And until you start getting all the experts to the table and start planning this out, you don't really think of everything that your actions affect. So, you know, for us, they closed the, they you were one of the first in the country, I think, to have the gyms closed. You know, it sounds like a good idea, close big gyms. Why do we need them open? But unfortunately, a lot of homeless people in the counties use those gyms. 
uh, to shower, to use the restroom, to get access to clean drinking water. You know, so people just don't think of that side of it. People that are living in cars, people that are doing van life, you know, like they, they don't have a place to go now. And so it's one thing. And that's been my frustration with the federal government, too. I mean, a lot of people are giving credit to this. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but this Dr. Fanucci guy. Um, if you know the name, feel free to correct me. I don't uh, know. But Fabucci, <laughs> Fabucci. I, my, my guess was about the same as yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because I think I think the Trump administration is actually being quite honest about how long this is going to last and about um, the situation in general. I don't think they were being honest at the beginning. I really think that they were uh, lying uh, their 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 asses off. I hope I can say that on your show. Yes, you can. Uh, you know. And also, okay, I mean, good. yeah, it's it's it should be said because at the beginning of this crisis, Trump was just like well, I'm going to hand this off to Pence. It's not even real anyway. It's some made-up Chinese propaganda or whatever. You know, like he was just like completely yeah. dismissive. So it, it, yeah. is, it, is, it is good that at least they've taken a few steps forward in that regard. <laughs> but, but now they're, they're, they're really turning it over to the doctors. I think that a lot of folks have kind of, the new criticism of Trump is that he's like a bystander to this and he's just kind of getting out of the way of the experts. And to that, I say, great. I mean, I don't have any problem with that. Go ahead and call this the Trump recovery and then get out of the way. That sounds fine to me. I don't care. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I would uh, rather you know, have medical experts making the decisions than Donald Trump. That's for sure. <laughs> that That is for sure. Yeah. But they're kind of saying things like, you know, hunker in place and don't leave his house as often. And that's great if you are middle class and living in a decent sized house that could go to the supermarket ahead of time, stock up, and get out of there. But I think that their honesty has sort of been met with a lack of leadership from a socioeconomic, or should I say, just a, just a planning perspective. Like, you can't tell people to hunker down and then expect them not to hoard. You have to say one or the other. And so all of a sudden, they said, oh, crap, there's hoarding. Oh, we, we meant just buy a week's worth of groceries, you know, no more. But you're hunkering down. But buy a week's worth of groceries. You know, like, it's, 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 it's too confusing, folks. They, they really should have made that much, much clearer. And I, uh, I give Maryland a bit of credit, because compared to other states, uh, I think we're a bit ahead of the curve. Um, and the guidance that I see coming out of uh, my state of Maryland, while it's not as good as I would like, uh, I, 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 I work in schools. You know, I, part of my job now is to go into the schools and to clean them, uh, not, not, not as a janitor, but as someone that does computers and technology for a living. Uh, and we, you know, some of the best advice that we've gotten around that has been from the state, uh, which is great because uh, uh, not everyone had advice ready to go for how to clean computers for physical viruses, let alone computer virus. <laughs> uh, pardon the pun. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but on other things, I think there was a real lack of attention to. Like they've just announced they're going to turn all the emissions inspection stations, which are these big buildings that you can kind of drive through to get your car tested for emissions inspection, over into coronavirus testing facilities. Sounds like a great idea. What if you don't have a car? Are they gonna, are they gonna drive right. you there? I, I, what's, what's the plan? There's no plan for that. Uh, you know, I think that the same thing's kind of true uh, with what we're seeing for public transportation. They're announcing restricting public transportation just from a scheduling standpoint, just by having 
trains and bus service. Okay, but again, if I have to go to a Walmart or if I have a if I live in a, a room with no refrigerator because I don't have a lot of money, you know, uh, where do I how do I get groceries every day? What am I supposed to do? Just stock up on ramen noodles? Like, I, you know, there's there's no guidance there. There's nothing, you know. So I I feel like that that's really missing. And you know, you could sit here all day and place blame on that you come from the states or the cities or the national. Uh, but it's just the system was not ready for this. I mean, there's really no way around saying it. I mean, um, we live in capitalism, and I think that, or maybe we lived in capitalism as per last week. And now we live in something else, uh, which I could definitely get into, uh, you know, but the system was just really not designed to handle this. In fact, the whole reason we're doing this, I saw a post from, Rock, from Dr. Professor Richard Wolf, uh, you know, one of the reasons we have to do this whole um, quarantine, stay in place kind of situation is because there's not enough hospital beds, not enough ventilators. I'm sure your audience is smart and they've heard that a million times by now. But if we lived in a system... Uh, uh, of socialism, dare I even say communism at this point, uh, that literally said, well, we're going to make extra hospital beds and we're going to make extra hospitals because what if there's an emergency we didn't anticipate? What if there's a virus? What if there's a, a, a comet going to hit us from the sky? And, you know, you know, what if there's a, a tsunami? You know, maybe you need extra hospital beds for, you know, a, a rainy day. You hope it never happens, but maybe you need it. Um, we weren't prepared. And I don't think capitalism allows us to be prepared because there's no special part of capitalism that says, oh, yeah, we're just going to staff an empty hospital uh, full of stuff just in case. No, it's not profitable to do so. There's no profit in it. No one's going to make money off of it. Uh, the resources are going to go elsewhere in capitalism and they're going to go to capitalism. So I, I think that you're seeing a complete rethinking of how we run our system. Um, and I think that um, every country is looking at this right now uh even ones that uh are supposedly socialists like china uh suddenly have to build new hospitals overnight because they just weren't prepared for this so you know i think the you're 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 peeling back the curtain you're kind of seeing the madness behind our framework and you know capitalism might be great for having eight different kinds of toilet papers in the stores that's wonderful on a good day on a bad day you just care about getting toilet paper into your house and, you, you know, you just care about having enough water and food. Yeah. You know, you don't really need a capitalist system that provides you with eight different kinds of bottled water. You just need drinking water. You know, like, there's just not really, that's just not the way our system works. And um, uh, uh, before this really happened, um, I was toying around with the idea of a project called a human rights-based um economy and engagement, um, which is uh, something I talked about with my campaign when I ran for president, something I talked about a lot. Uh, it basically means that we don't prioritize human rights in this country. Like the idea that a human being should uh, have everything they need to live and grow and thrive isn't really the point of our economy. The point of our economy is to make money for capitalists, uh, to keep the worldwide markets moving, whatever that means. It's not really there to help sure that we have enough to live. And so it's been very interesting to see, uh, there's not really any other way to say this, but to say it, it's been very interesting to see the Trump administration like kind of get slapped in the face with the reality of the situation and suddenly realize they have to pause capitalism. I think I heard Marco Rubio literally saying the same thing, like, this is not going to count. We're going to, yeah, people, reporters are asking them kind of, you know, incredulously, you know, like, 
oh, well, why are you doing this? Aren't you a capitalist? Don't you believe in the market? And he's saying like, yeah, but we're pausing the market. The market's not going to be operating for a couple months, maybe longer, maybe not, you know, uh, and they're admitting that openly. And they're saying they don't want people to die. So this is what we have to do. You see, that's, <laughs> that's a little closer to a human rights-based economy. It means that the point of the economy is not going to be just to make money. It's going to be to make sure people don't die. Yeah, and that's and a very fascinating development. That kind of begs the question in a way. Uh, in some way, you know, people tend to think of, okay, our mode of production is capitalism. This is the fundamental underlying system that sort of unifies uh, all of the like production and then also distribution that we do on this planet. Uh, except now, apparently, we're pausing that. So what's underneath? <laughs> like, what else is yeah. there? You know, like, uh, it, 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 it's kind of like startling to have that admission come from people like that. I agree. Because again, it's like, well, what's what is there something else underneath this system? Because the general perception that's created is that this is the system. You know, what's so funny about that is like, it's sort of like that uh, self-aware wolves page on Reddit, where you're like, you hear Donald Trump talk about when he was running for office, the fact that like, America needs to have industries here at home, steel, uh, car companies, like he was really big into that, like pride in America thing. But it didn't just go to the next level, which is like, well, why? Why do we want steel here? Why do we want to make stuff here? Like, what's the point? Just to compete? Just to win internationally? To say our cars are better than China's cars or our cars are better than Japan's or Germany's? No, like, you know, you're so close to the truth. Like, the reality is, is that we should make stuff locally because we need stuff here. If there's a global problem, we need to have the ability to make stuff right here in the, in the U.S. And there's lots of other reasons why you'd want that, too. I mean, it affects climate change, not having to travel halfway around the world uh, to get, um, I don't know, fruit or vegetables, uh, you know, grains, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, fans or electronics, excuse me, certainly helps keep the uh, 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 carbon emissions down yeah. and, and, and uses less oil. But on the other hand, it also makes sure that we're more prepared, we're more resilient when a crisis breaks out. Imagine if every single region of the country was assured a food supply, uh, transportation, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, factories that could quickly change production and make something that we needed on demand. Like that is a really like innovative socialist like um uh, uh, uh you know uh, human rights method uh, i i would say a human rights based like strategy for making sure we have everything we need we're not just saying well, we're going to get this at the cheapest price because capitalists can make more money on it we're saying that we're doing this locally for all these different reasons because i think there's a big misunderstanding about capitalism being efficient capitalism is so inefficient it's crazy inefficient like if people don't really understand that it's cheap capitalism can be very cheap like going to across the world and getting stuff from countries uh that don't have our labor standards or are exploiting people or or the local environments sure things can be cheaper but it doesn't mean it's more efficient efficiently producing something here at home Efficiently producing something in the same county would be the most efficient way to make sure things are handled, resources are managed properly. 
And, you know, a while back, um, a lot of my ideas are, are, I'll give credit where credit's due, a lot of my ideas are, are, are not just based on socialism, like the writings of, uh, of, of Marx and Engels, but also on um, Peter Joseph's resource-based economy and um, uh, the mm -hmm. Venus Project. Uh, you know, like resource-based economy is a fantastic idea. Uh, you know, you could hate the messenger all day and have issues with the movies and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think that um, uh, Jacques Resco, I just, just I was actually at uh, the Venus Project uh, where his wife now uh, gives tours of the grounds uh, over the uh, winter. So I just, you know, Jacques Resco passed on. And their family's still very keen on making sure he gets credit. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think more people should look into this stuff. Buckminster Fuller was another big one. Uh, you know, there's all these different innovators that have talked about this after a while. And the ones that more closely align themselves with capitalism, I think, are the ones that you remember and know about. And the ones that it's kind of like the whole Tesla versus Edison thing. Like, who was the better capitalist? Edison. So which one do you know? Edison. Which one, you know, is only getting popular now? Tesla. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, like, j just because you're really good at making money and getting yourself on the front of the newspaper doesn't mean your supply lines are efficient or you're doing the right thing behind the scenes or you're doing what's best for the country or the world. Uh, I think we've got to really rethink these things. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of my hope that we learn some very valuable lessons from this crisis and that we don't just try to immediately go back to normal, quote unquote, that we actually uh, really uh, look inward and demand that um, uh, making sure we're ready for a crisis uh, up to and including valuing all human life now is really important and an important part of what we inject into our economy. And I, I know I'm going off here, but if I could just say one more thing about this, because this is so important. Go ham. You know, um, it, it drives me a little crazy when some of the, uh, uh, you know, people that are angry about this crisis, you know, they'll say things like, well, people die from the flu all the time. People die from uh, heart failure. People die from car accidents. People die from uh, depression and suicide. You know, so why don't we, you know, pause the economy and, and work on that? Like, what is so different about this? Oh, it's just an agenda. Insert your political party here. If you're a liberal, you think it's a liberal agenda. If you're conservative, you think it's a conservative agenda, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so the whole thing is just a mess. But what I, what I tell people is that you're so close to the truth of that which is that we should be valuing every single life. We should have an economy that says every single day, every death that could be avoided should be avoided. It should be our right to die of a ripe old age. And every single day that people die earlier or premature, whether it's from disease, whether it's from suicide, whether it's from accident, like we should have a, 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 an evening news report. And I'm not joking when I say this. We have the stock market every night, right? Up and down. Who gives a shit? Stock market's not real. Who cares? But we have, we should have an end of evening news report that literally says, here's how many people die today. Here's what they died from. Here's if the diseases were preventable. And then have an expert on talking about preventing more suicides. Have an expert on talking about getting your annual flu shot. Have an expert on talking about, you know, uh, some, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, traffic accidents and making cars and roads safer. You know, like we should value human life. This isn't an excuse for you to thumb your nose in the situation and say, why do you just care about this? Screw you. Like we should care about every single life. We should be, we should refocus our economy on making sure everyone has the ability to live and thrive. And I'm not just talking about just making sure everyone can live to a ripe old age and then not helping them along the way. This whole crisis has put into focus for us 
the fact that so many things they told us they couldn't do, they actually can. They could just stop rent evictions. You could just not have evictions anymore. You could just stop mortgage payments. Uh, you could make sure that your stores are not jacking up prices on stuff. You know, there, there's reports of people trying to uh, price gouge and literally getting arrested or told to donate it. That's great. You know, there's so many things like that. Now, every single college out there that said, oh, we charge you more because our facilities are immaculate. Well, that's a damn lie, too, because now every single school has to be online distance learning for a while. So there's no reason that a poor person in Baltimore can't get on the Internet and watch a lecture from an MIT professor or a Harvard doctor or a Yale you know, surgeon. There's no reason for any of this. We've just been all smoke and mirrors. It's all been designed to keep the capitalist system in place and to let us think that we don't need to change anything. But in reality, all this shit could have changed probably 10 years ago, you know, maybe even 20. But we've just decided to keep capitalism running the same way it always has. Uh, you know, you got to pay for digital music. Well, why? I used to Napster it. Don't ask questions. You got to, you know, you can't download any movies. That's illegal. But, 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 but why? I can see I could download a movie. Nope, no, no, don't ask any questions about that. Got to download it or you can go to jail. You know, like it's just so much bullshit that they put up to perpetuate capitalism that has now before our eyes, the curtain's been dropped. And, you know, the push is going to be to get us back to normal as soon as possible. And we've got to say, like, no, normal sucked. Like, people right. have to, like, do what you can to keep that alive while this is going on. Like, this sucks. Don't get me wrong. This is awful. Like a lot of people are scared. They're worried. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the efforts the national government's doing, which I'm very interested in, um, you know, a little later in your show. But, um, you know, going back to normal would also suck. When people say, what about this death? Tell them, yeah, what about it? That's why we should make sure not just Medicare for all, but everything that people need to live should be free. That goes to housing, that goes to food, that goes to utilities. You can't shut off utilities now. It goes to internet, like Comcast and Spectrum are now offering like basically free internet for anybody that calls them, which is fucking fantastic. There's no reason we shouldn't have had this before. Like you need the internet. It's not, it's not a luxury. Like anyone tells you there's a luxury is a, is a piece of shit. Like the internet is something that you need to live now. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, transportation should be a human right. Like, you know, and I was on um, Slow News Day show over the weekend, uh, which is another fantastic show. Great show. And I was basically saying, yeah, you know, I was basically saying, you know, like when libertarians get really hostile and mad when I go on this rant because they're like, oh, just give the government everything. Why don't you? No, I'm not talking about giving the government uh, access to industry or, or, or turning it over to them. What I'm talking about is the fact that when I get on a fucking airplane, I rely on the pilot and the crew to get me there safe. I don't have any fucking faith in Southwest Airlines. I have faith in the crew, the maintenance folks. I have faith in the train conductor when I get on Amtrak. I have faith in the bus driver when I get on the bus. And, you know, these are the people that should be running our economy. Like the bus driver knows where people need to be picked up and dropped off way more than Greyhound and the owner of Greyhound. You know, uh, uh, you know uh, doctors and surgeons should be in charge of making medical decisions. Medicare for all isn't about taking some government bureaucrat and switching them out with the insurance industry bureaucrat, like a lot of, so, uh, a lot of libertarians and, and conservatives would have you think. It's about the fact that your doctor can order tests that you need to live, no questions asked. It's about the nurse could do their job without having to check with the insurance company when you walk in the door. 
That's the difference. That's what we're asking for. When we say workers, a lot of times people think workers, they think someone in a factory line. Like, yeah, that's a worker. That's important. But I'm also talking about workers you interact with every day. Like workers know what they need to protect themselves and to protect their patrons. And we just need to put them in charge. Like there's a vested interest of the people of my community getting together and making sure everyone is safe and everyone has access to stuff. Capitalists don't need to be in this system. As you know, I mean, I can go on, you know, maybe well, I'll touch on, you know, like, like I, uh, <laughs> it's a common socialist thing. Like capitalists would be great at jewelry stores or, you know, uh, a dog costume jewelry business or, you know, something that's just like, you know, or like maybe like really expensive paintings, you know, like, you know, not, not I, I get what need to like at. educate people, you know, like, but there's tons of, you know, we don't need capitalists in the middle of industries that we need to survive. We need leaders and we need workers that actually care about making sure these things are done efficiently and that everyone has access to them so that they could live the most prosperous life. Imagine if we would not be where we are right now. We wouldn't have to talk about social distancing and remind people to wash your hands every five seconds if we had extra education that was free. If we had an extra year or two of education, basic education that gave those basic biology courses and human biology courses, like maybe everyone gets an associate's degree. Everyone that wants it could just get an associate's degree in um, um, life sciences. You wouldn't have to tell people hey, social distance, people would just know, oh, it's a bad virus. I now know because I took this course what I have to do in this situation. I can volunteer. So we don't have to call in the National Guard or the military for every little thing. You know, we could just say people in my community just know they have backgrounds in it. They went to college for it. They passed their courses. They enjoy this stuff. Now they get to use their skills. Like our whole economy is just functioning wrong uh, up until now. And now is the opportunity to really make sure that we get it right when this corruption, uh, when, when this virus is over. I think it's really interesting that like this whole conversation that we're having uh, is is a conversation that a lot of people are having some version of right now. And what's wild is that three months ago, this was a conversation that was too out there to have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was we we were proposing, you know, mad fairy tale madness of socialist utopias that will never come to pass there's not enough political capital or resources in the world to accomplish these things and now it's like this conversation that we're having as as a couple of leftists isn't so different than shit that you know mitt romney is saying in the news right now <laughs> like everything has no, suddenly shifted yeah. to where this is this is no longer a crazy conversation and all it took was an entire global pandemic. <laughs> um, I just so, want to, yeah, that's so true. You know, I just want to get back a little bit um, early in that last uh, uh, kind of a block of of dense <laughs> thought that you put forth there. <laughs> um, you mentioned you can call it a rant. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> I was trying to come up with the 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 most you know. The most favorable phrasing. <laughs> but, um, it was a good rant, so you know it's it's allowable. Um, but uh, you you mentioned the efficiency of capitalism and uh, or the lack thereof, and I kind of wanted to touch on that because I think a lot of times there is this visible efficiency of capitalism that we can see. Um, but the problem with it is 
it is that very efficiency that's ruining us right now. Um, so like to your example, really early on of like, we could have empty hospitals in every city that are just there for times of emergency, but capitalism would never allow that. Um, that is a type of efficiency, right? It's an efficiency that makes sense today. You know, we don't need to run this hospital today, so we won't. However, we're now in the situation where um, we could have had a vaccine for this virus, for COVID-19, the virus that we're battling with right now. This vaccine could have been developed several years ago by the crack team of medical experts who developed the SAR vaccine, like some of the most brilliant people on the planet that live today. Um, we're we dis discovered this, identified it as a potentially like something that could be a problem because it was very virulent and all of these different factors. And they said, we'd like to develop a vaccine for it and no one would fund it. Um, because again, that's the efficiency of today. Well, we don't need this vaccine right now. So it would be inefficient to put money into it today when we don't need it, right? But look at us now. Now we're in a crisis that has shut down the global economy. Is that more efficient? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there, there, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning stuff from you here because that's something that I wasn't. I, I've heard anecdotal stories about that, but I never heard it phrase phrase like that. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, but that's sort of the whole underlying point. There's so many inefficiencies or just things that look. If you, if your goal as a society, as a country, as a world, I mean, I guess you could say, but I don't have to get that that big head. We could just say as a country. If we just say we want political leaders who value human life, and no, I'm not just talking about unborn children, like the conservatives think, I'm talking about every fucking person on the planet. If we really think that way and think that every life uh, deserve, everyone has a right to live, which has been, by the way, a, a keystone model, uh, a, a motto of the uh, welfare rights organization, which I belong to, uh, which started back in the 60s with Martin Luther King. Uh, you know, everyone has a right to live is the base point. Then you have to start rethinking about the ideas of the economy. How do we get to everyone has the right to live? How do we make sure that everyone has uh, the ability to, uh, uh, to to live a decent life, uh, that they're guaranteed certain things that we don't guarantee right now? We don't guarantee water. We don't guarantee uh, health care. We don't guarantee electricity. We don't guarantee housing. So many things that we don't guarantee uh, that could kill a person or just or just, you know, drive them to the street. Uh, so it's really time that we rethink the way that we're doing things, because as we're seeing, it's not enough to just say, oh, you know, the wealthiest will have what they need to live and the rest of us will just have to struggle it out, which has been the way that we've been operating. I mean, this is a class warfare issue. I think this is more of a class issue, quite honestly. Uh, it, it, it's, well, let's just say it's, it's, it really comes down to an issue of class because I think for the longest time, a lot of the upper class could just get away with not interacting with the, uh, with the, uh, with the, with, with the lower class, the working class. And now it's sort of been put on its head because, right, if you interact with anyone out there during the day, a barista, uh, someone in the supermarket, you know, uh, any person, you're just, you know, even if you have, uh, even if you're so rich, you have people bringing stuff into your home to stock it, uh, you know, unless you're in a bunker or on a yacht, and that's only going to last for so long as well, eventually you're going to need to come up with supplies, you're going to be interacting with someone that may be sick, maybe has COVID-19, 
And what's even crazier is a lot of this stuff comes down to factors that we haven't even figured out yet. First, they thought it was just about age. Now it looks like it may be other factors that are more complicated behind the scenes. So whether or not you're wealthy and older or younger and health, you know, it doesn't really matter at this point. The virus doesn't see that. The virus just tries to infect you. And we're just not really prepared to make sure that life on Earth goes on. That's not really our mission. I mean, I'm just being honest and being real with you. Our mission as a species is sort of to make sure capitalists make a lot of money. And Donald Trump was like basing his entire presidency on that. Uh, Democrats really aren't much further away from that. You know, even, you know, Biden doesn't even understand why we bother with Medicare for all. So, I mean, we don't really value that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, I think that if you look at the place like South Korea, I mean, South Korea had more modern manufacturing plants, especially when it came to medicine. We've outsourced a ton of our um, medical uh, factories to China and India. If you look at your prescriptions, I can almost guarantee you it says China or India on the back. Uh, just take a look at it when you get home, uh, you know, uh, or, or probably at home right now because you're quarantined. So just take a look. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, South Korea had facilities and they were very, very modern. So they could switch to new, you know, new testing kits right away, new uh, new remedies right away. We just can't do that here in the U.S., And rather than just kind of like accidentally happen, like in South Korea, where they happen to have good manufacturing capabilities for uh, uh, medical tests and other medical stuff, rather than make it kind of accidental, oh, South Korea is the place where that makes a lot of medication, we're going to put these equipment, you know, we're going to put these facilities here. Like rather than accidental, we should make it mandatory. We should say, no, a, 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 a horrible accident or a new virus could break out anywhere in the world. Every single region of the world, every single part of the U.S., maybe every single state should have some sort of ability, some sort of plan, and some sort of, of resource to quickly manufacture new vaccines, quickly manufacture new tests, uh, you know, quickly manufacture um, uh, maybe masks. You, know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe a volcano will erupt uh, on the San Andreas Fault. Well, then you're going to need a lot of masks for people or moving people around. Like the whole point that I'm trying to get at is, you know, one of the things that kind of drove me to socialism was the fact that the world is not necessarily a safe place. You know, like we huddle together as people and we form cities because we crave safety, we crave community, but we also, you know, you know, we need each other to live. We're interdependent. We're not independent. And this also kind of drives libertarians nuts because, you know, We're not independent. We're not. You can't, I mean, uh, if you own a lot of property and you grow your own food, more power to you. I I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Sure. Why not? But you know what? At the end of the day, you're going to need something from somebody. You're not going to know how to make your own medication. You're not going to know how to uh, make your own tools. You're going to need something from someone because we're an interdependent species. We've gotten this far because of that. You know, we're, we're exploring space because we're interdependent, because we have engineers and scientists, because people are specialized, not because everyone's a great hunter-gatherer. At a moment's notice, we could switch back to an agrarian or hunter-gatherer society. That's not what makes us so special. It's not what got us here to a point in this evolution. So we've kind of got to evolve as a species. And yeah, that means looking at socialism a lot more seriously. And you know what? I mean, if we don't, what's going to happen is we're going to celebrate when this is over. And we're going to go right back to the way things were. And you know what? People are going to be really upset and you're going to get people that are going to go right back to dying from the same old things. And, uh, you know, um, either no one's going to care or uh, 
we're just not going to evolve into a species that actually cares about life. And that just, you know, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. So well, you know, I don't really care about the terms anymore either. You know, if socialism, capitalism, I, I don't care. You know, I really don't. I care about the fact that we actually make sure that human life is important to everybody. That on top of the end of the day, whoever's in the office, I don't care if it's another celebrity. I don't care if it's, I, I, I really don't. I just want to make sure that person understands that valuing human life, making sure people don't die, making sure that people have everything they need to live and access to resources is on their agenda, is, a, is at the core of what they do. Show me that person and, I, and I'll, I'll vote for them in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, it definitely seems like, too, we have to learn this lesson because the odds of something along these lines, but worse happening are so high between like the fact that we are headed towards a antibiotic crisis where our antibiotics mm -hmm. are getting less and less effective and like, you know, super viruses that might be hidden in polar ice caps that are billions of years old, don't even resemble modern viruses that might, right. you know, be unveiled through climate change and all of these factors. Um, and even if either of those things doesn't happen, we're still looking at a period of climate change, which is going to cause migration, which is also a viral factor, a way to spread diseases around in new and novel ways and create pandemics. So we kind of have to learn this lesson now because it's this isn't like a once off, all we got to do is get through Corona and we're set forever kind of situation. Um, we're going to have these problems again. And so I think it's important uh, before we get to the end of this episode, because we've already recorded a surprising amount, that we talk yeah. about um, the future of what kind of the means of production, the economy and things could look like. And especially with the perspective um, that, you know, I kind of keep coming back to this thought that if we start doing all of this stuff and, you know, we forestall evictions and we give people some universal basic income, which is a thing that might happen, and we, you know, make medical care free during the duration of coronavirus, which some states are doing, like mine has made all corona-related care free, um, are people going to want to go back, especially if this lasts months and months and months, the latest report is that this could be 18 months before things return, return to normal. If we live under a new economic system for 18 months that ensures people's social welfare and health, then people are not going to just be like, oh yeah, let's go back to the shitty system. <laughs> you, you, you know, um, it's, it's, it's such a good point. And you know, before this crisis, I think the crisis that was on a lot of leftist minds was the climate crisis. And you saw repeatedly young people shutting stuff down, taking to the streets. Um, and uh, I think that um, if we could really link up the fact that we're causing ourselves to live in a world of crisis because of capitalism, because there's not really anyone at the helm, because we're not allowing ourselves to um, evolve and, and really imagine a better society. We've sort of just kind of dismissed all that as utopian and kind of just gone away from it. Uh, you know, I, I think that we've really got to get back to the idea of envisioning a better world and then demanding it, uh, not just for this crisis, not just for the climate crisis, but for whatever future crisis that we're not even thinking of right now. Um, so that's, that, 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 I think, is a very important lesson that we need to learn. Um, you know, 
in in terms of the uh the i just because because you touched on a really great point which is the basic income and i just wanted to mention that you know um people you know there's there's a fantastic native american saying which is basically something to the effect you know so bad. It, it, I can't memorize anything, but it's a bit of paraphrase it, which is basically if people saw um, fish and streams and lakes and ponds like they do their own tap and, you know, uh, the, the plains and the hunt and, you know, the wild areas that they do the supermarket and understand those things were being erased by modern capitalism, they would be, you know, protesting in the street and shutting everything down. So, you know, as of a week ago, most people relied on their jobs to uh, pay their basic bills. Then everything literally got shut off. So, I mean, uh, you know, I'm now I'm talking the very big numbers, obviously, because the numbers right now are saying we're looking at a 20% unemployment, which is depression level, but it's still 80% of people are going to be quote unquote employed because, you know, that number hides a lot. But, uh, you know, I think that more and more people are, are getting turned on to the idea that the system is not what they thought. It's not like they could just outperform everyone else in the job market and they'll be safe. That's not realistic. They have to stay home. If their job is something that they have to do outside, it's not essential. They don't have a job. It's kind of that simple. Like, you know, uh, good uh, service workers, waitstaff, uh, you know, people that are in fields that aren't just required right now. They're just not they're just not working and they may not be for a very long time. So then you move to the government. And so now our only job, quote unquote, for those that need to pay their bills desperately and don't have work is to lobby the government for like a basic income because there's nothing else to do. Like you, you can't, <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to leave my house and find work. I mean, that's just not right. a good idea. Not right happening. Yeah. So what's funny about this and so, so sad is at the time of this airing, and I really hope this gets addressed and fixed, is that, you know, for the past week, we've seen uh, more and more people uh, sign on to a basic income bill. Uh, we've seen it start with Tulsi Gabbard, then it went to uh, AOC, then it went to a lot of other progressives. And then all of a sudden, the Republicans started talking about it. Mitt Romney, uh, then Scaramucci, weirdly, and then, <laughs> uh, another Trumper, and then finally Trump himself, uh, which is all very, 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 very strange. And then, of course, Bernie Sanders came on board as well. Uh, Joe Biden still hasn't come on board as of airing, as of the recording of this episode, as far as I know. And then on top of that, now Nancy Pelosi saying she wants people means tested before they get the money. I mean, that is insane. I mean, that's just so crazy to me. So it kind of seems like, uh, you know, I think that there are some folks that understand the seriousness of this situation and that um, they don't have control right now over their own financial livelihoods. It's either do or die time for the government. And what's a little scary to me is that I don't understand why, but Republicans seem to understand this way more than some of the establishment Democrats, like Pelosi, Schumer, and uh, Biden. Yeah, Pelosi so, I mean, this is Let's turn this into tax credits. Just, oh my God. Oh I my God. That thing so, makes me more shameful. angry. It's completely shameful. And you know what's crazy about this is a universal basic income, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm probably going to piss some people off and say it. Uh, the, the Marxist and, and, and socialist that I know definitely see universal basic income as a solid tradition, uh, transitional demand. Sure, they want a jobs guarantee too, but they also want universal basic income along with Medicare for all. There's a lot of good transitional demands that would help us transition from capitalism uh, to socialism, uh, to something even greater than that. Uh, you know, and, and the fact that some of these Democrats just don't grasp that the world has changed 
and that people don't have money. They don't have savings. I can't eat into my 401k. First of all, I don't have a 401k because I'm young and I don't just don't have one. And second of all, the people that do, a lot of it's disappeared in the stock market. So what do you, what do you, how out of touch do you have to be? That's why, you know, I'll give, I got to give credit where credit's due. If Trump leaves his ivory tower and goes into the middle of a, of a small rural town and gets all the people there who are, you know, poor working class, along with very rich folks to shout MAGA for two hours, at least he's like actually talked to someone in poverty for five fucking minutes. You know, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, I guess they just don't have to deal with people that are in poverty. I guess they just don't understand what that means. I can tell you right now, you know, filling out a bunch of forms to get a basic income that they may deny, which would literally cause you to die, because you can't just tell people to hunker down. Where are they going to get food? Where are they going to gas their car up? Where are they, you know, like there's so many questions behind this. I have family that's freaking out about this. And you know what they're going to do if they can't pay their bills? They're going to move in with other family. You're going to have, ten, you know, five, six families in one household. And that's going to cause the virus to increase even more. So it feels like there are people that are getting this. And I feel like what we're going to have to do as the left is to continue to push for all these different reforms, but then demand that these reforms become permanent. Because like you're saying, we can't just let the right take this for 18 months lead on the issue, which sadly they're kind of doing now, and then all of a sudden take us back to capitalism. Like, everything's fine, just go back to the way things were. Like, that's bullshit. This is an economic reset. People have to understand that. Uh, there was a press conference today where Susan Collins was caught on a hot mic kind of saying, like, you know, my biggest fear is that the small businesses just fire everybody and just shut their doors. That's gonna happen. If this is gonna take, even if it takes till August, which I think is one of the more optimistic projections out there. Uh, you know, this is an economic reset. It's basically like we have to demand that it go to its completion. Like this should be a full debt jubilee. It should be a, a, a full on uh, student loan cancellation. Like we have to demand all these different things happen because, uh, you know, and then we have to demand that our system permanently change. We can't let them walk us back into this because let me tell you something. Capitalists are very, very sneaky and they're on their uh, mega bunker yachts right now and they're talking to each other and they're planning on what to do when this is done a lot of folks are like oh fema camps this and government take over that and it's like that's really not what's going to happen what's going to happen is, is that capitalists are going to try to convince you to go back in time and you see trump with the whole maga thing go back into a time i mean he's really saying a time <laughs> when whites had all the power more power than they have now you know and then you see the now the democrats are doing it with biden go back to the obama years go back to the obama years everything'll be fine no, like we can't let this go. We got to keep fighting. This is Brandon Buchanan. I'm sorry that I was uh, busy doing mutual aid community release stuff and um, didn't quite get in on time. But it's good, to, it's good to be here hanging out with you again. How you doing, Ian? I, I'm, I'm great. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that you, uh, you were out there doing that. That's really important. A lot of people there need help. I've got some important news for you. Um, Kennedy said that he wanted to wrap up, but I just want to rile you up a little bit. Nancy Pelosi has blocked the cash relief bill because uh, she demands that means testing uh, is in the bill. Um, it needs to be, quote, targeted, and that is mandatory for her. So uh, Nancy Pelosi, to the right of Mitt Romney and Donald Trump uh, on- And even Tom Cotton. <laughs> the right of Tom Cotton. Let's just be clear. On, on, on giving direct assistance to Americans. Uh, what are your thoughts- it's 
you're getting this news live. It's it's the it's the it's the it's the shame of the nation. I think I saw that just before we came on the air. I could not believe something so ridiculous is happening. I mean, I heard one person say that they said it was because abortion, something about abortion was in there too. But I've heard a lot of other outlets say that it's just about uh, the fact that it's ta- that it's not going to be targeted. Let me tell you something right now, okay? I've worked with a group of legendary um, welfare rights activists called National Welfare Rights. Their Michigan branch is the most active. If you go to Twitter, check out MWRO, Michigan Welfare Rights. Uh, one of their basic demands since the 60s, since the 60s, since Martin Luther King was a basic income guarantee. And we're talking about an unconditional basic income guarantee. Because first of all, you, me telling you my assets right now would do you almost no good. What am I going to do? Show you my W-2s from last year or my tax return? I mean, what is that going to show you? Maybe I lost everything on the stock market. Maybe I'm a small business owner and everything's gone. Maybe my business never coming back. It's not going to show you a damn thing. You know, maybe I was Ubering and now no one's going to get in an Uber. You know, you have no idea what that means. That is a meaningless number. You can't target anything at this point. So that's BS right there. Number two is a lot of these people that are for basic income, people don't know this. I mean, check out like um, uh, the first one I could think of is my good friend, uh, Diane Pajan out there, who's now with Income Movement. Uh, You know, take a look at some of her work. She's a social worker calling for a basic income. Because first of all, when you target the money, it's squandered. That's thing number one that any social worker will tell you. Second of all, the part two of this is that if you means test, that means that social workers on the front line and those in back offices have the ability to hold up money. So you have to prove you need it before you get it. We don't have time for that. The rent is due at the end of the month. You got to gas up your car if you want to go through for a drive through coronavirus test. You got to, you know, uh, uh, go to the supermarket where the groceries ain't free. Like, this is not okay to be doing this. And, you know, if grandma and grandpa have a little nest egg and they've lost maybe some of it, but they still have a couple thousand in the bank, well, fuck you. Don't let don't, don't don't means test that. Like, like, like fucking give them the money. Like grandma and grandpa need the money too more than anybody else. So this is just insanity. This is just completely insanity. And you know what's really sad is that um, I think the Democrats have really been kind of very confused since uh, this, 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 this whole coronavirus thing has kind of started. And, and I'll tell you why. It's because, you know, I think if you were like me, you saw Andrew Yang on live TV support Joe Biden. He did it kind of half-heartedly. I was angry. I mean, I didn't care if he did it half-heartedly. I was damn angry. Um, you know, but I think that the folks that are supporting Sanders are um, right now um, making a very sensible decision to turn down the Sanders activism in favor of, I don't know, not spreading the coronavirus or maybe helping people with mutual aid and dealing with other bigger issues right now. And so the only thing I, 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 I give Sanders a little bit of hard time for is that he should have called for a pause to the elections immediately. And now that he's kind of lost another round of Tuesday votes, if he comes out against it, he's going to be called hypocritical. So I think that puts him in a hard spot. But I think that the Democratic Party in general should just be seen as unbelievably corrupt for letting that last Tuesday election go. I mean, it was just so unbelievable to let that go. I mean, you just, I can't Uh, believe they actually went through with it. Tom Parrish could literally, I think he should literally be sued uh, for endangering people's lives. It's just completely insane. I think in a couple of weeks, suing him will be seen as going light on him. So, um, yeah, really strong agreement. He he might want to take the lawsuit. So I just, 
Yeah. You know, so just to close up on this, you know, I think that the Democratic Party needs to get their shit together. The socialist wing is now easily the centrist of the party compared to what everybody else is doing out there. If you're to the right of Trump, you need to look in the mirror and get out of the way. Like, let AOC lead on this. Let, uh, you know, like, you know, like she, she, she was for UBI right away. Let Tulsi Gabbard lead on this. You know, let, let Bernie lead on this with Medicare for All. We need Medicare for All right now. I don't care, you know, like what you call it. Call it capitalist, you know, hospital, but just do Medicare for All. You know, like I, I, you know, I'm trying to get the point <laughs> out there that I don't, I don't care what they call it. Call it like Trump care, you know, just just call it something and just do it. You know, like, like this, this is what needs to happen or people will die. If the point is to make people don't die, they need to all be on the same page. So yeah, if this is if this turns out to be if she doesn't back up on this immediately, I mean, I, I don't even know. I I think that the uh, I mean protests. I, I mean, I I'm not sure. I don't know, but I definitely know people <laughs> that would that would um, yeah make yeah. sure there's there's you we know, know this is this is crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Kennedy. Ian, thank you so much for joining us for a just incredible conversation about economics in the wake of coronavirus. This we've covered so much. This has been so good. Um, would you please let everybody out there know how they find you on Twitter, where else they might want to like find you or get involved with stuff that you're doing, you know, all the plugs, get them out there. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm most active on Twitter. If you go to um, I Schlackman, I-S-C-H-L-A-K-M-A-N over on Twitter, you'll see a lot of stuff on there. Things are changing so quickly. I do recommend giving me a follow on Twitter because uh, I've been very active in what's going on with the emergency UBI movement, other stuff like that. Uh, so the other thing is, uh, my website, which is schlackman.com, S-C-H-L-A-K-M-A-N.com. And stay tuned to that because pretty soon we're going to be doing a live show, trying to do it every other day, uh, with the coronavirus and a lot of people are indoors, stuck, not able to get interaction out there. So trying to do a daily or by, uh, three times a week live show. Oh, so check out schlackman.com for the info there. He didn't know that you were going to be coming to compete with us. I don't know if we can compete with the kind of heat that you are bringing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop making the pod well, you, you in favor of just live. tuning no, into no, no, Ian. No. I'll promote you every time. Don't worry. <laughs> no, we're we're kidding, of course, but we will be very excited to see uh, the shows that you put on because obviously anybody who is listening to this show right now knows that you have got a lot to say. You're very knowledgeable, and you know. It, you just you're you're just a pleasure to listen to talk. Honestly, I mean, even when you're ranting, oh, there's a nice. reason Thank why you. you keep getting invited back here to rant again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with well, that anytime. in mind, I appreciate the offer. I really do. Absolutely, and you know we'll be having you back, Ian. Again, thank you so much. All right, thanks, all. Take care. With that in mind, we have been not safe for wonks as always. You can find us on Twitter at NSFWonks if you don't follow us already. Come over and check it out. We're always posting. And uh, we can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash not safe. We put out Patreon exclusive episodes over there. And also, if you support the Patreon, it just really helps with a legitimately small independent show that is not funded by anyone except for the pennies that we can rub together ourselves and whatever comes 
from the lovely listeners like you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm Kennedy Cooper. Hey, I'm belatedly Brandon Buchanan. And we have been Not Safe for Wonks. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.